Hello and welcome to the 4 Comic Junkies Podcast. The comics aren't enough and you need a little extra fix. This podcast is a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film. I <sighs> hope everyone's having a great week, great Pride Month, great, uh, great, great times ahead of everybody. Uh, today is a very special episode. I'm very excited to finally be able to share this with you guys. Um, my guest is Christy Genebus, a uh, local Erie uh, political activist and mother, cancer survivor, teacher. I mean, this this is one of my favorite episodes. I, I feel like I learned a lot from her, and she might have learned a thing or two from me. Mostly how not to come back to a show, ever. I'm kidding. We had a good time. Um, you know, this is uh this is a special one. I'm excited to to share this with you guys. Um if you uh want to get in touch, uh Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, for comic junkies, uh F O R four. And um yeah, if you want to email me, for comic junkies at gmail dot com. And Christy will give out her uh, information at the end, which is very easy. <laughs> uh, this this is a great episode, folks. Um, I hope you learned something, because I know I did. Here we go. I am so excited to have Christy Genebus, local eerie woman extraordinaire, on the show today. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm happy to be here. Um, so this is exciting for a couple of reasons. One, because... Um, you're like a local celebrity, at least to me. So me reaching out to you and saying, hey, you know, would you want to be on the show? And you saying yes, I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, really? <laughs> my show? Yeah. Um, but I like to think that I take most of the topics here pretty seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if it's comic book related, I'm very passionate about it. And I love seeing how passionate you are about all the stuff that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're very active on social media. Um, and you use it the way it should be used, people, <laughs> not to be assholes, mm-hmm. but to be, you know, productive in society. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so uh, first question, uh, to, in keeping with the whole comic junkie thing, do you have any history with uh, with Wonder Woman? Like, <laughs> fan of the comic books, the movies, the TV show? Uh, so Wonder Woman to me, I mean, I think it was really popular when I was very, very young. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I was born in the 80s. Um, so I remember being very young um, and seeing, you know, Wonder Woman on TV uh-huh. and then seeing the comic books and, um, you know, thinking how cool that was. I mean, Wonder Woman and, and She-Ra were really <laughs> the only female, uh, you know, leads that I remember seeing as right. a young uh, a young girl. Um, but, I mean, certainly admirable that, uh, you know, Wonder Woman is who she is and is, I think, made a huge comeback yeah. um, because she is a feminist. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important to touch on, too, because I think people misconstrue what feminist means. Yeah. But it just is e- equal power, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, you know. I have a little bit of uh, of background of just, you know, you know, reading some of the original old stuff and seeing some of the stuff on TV and just, you know, being able to look up to Wonder Woman and think, you know, this is pretty cool. You know, she's making an impact and, and young young girls like myself can look to her and be like, wow, there can be females in power. Right. Right. Um, and I think it's important that she stands next to not behind like Superman and Batman, mm-hmm. you know, so they're they're called the Trinity with DC Comics. They're the big three. Mm-hmm. Um 
And that's, <clears throat> and I think that's important for little kids to see that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it's just surprising how long it takes for, you know, it took till 2017 for a really good, not just Wonder Woman movie, but a female-led mm -hmm. Wonder Woman movie to be, um, or superhero movie, I should say, to be produced. And suddenly it's like, oh, women can be in superhero roles too? It's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Um, but it's, you know, but, you know, uh, getting uh, off that topic, you know, just because I know it's not your, you know, wealth of knowledge, uh, which is fine. Uh, it should be, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> I did a little research before I came here, so there's a few things I do know. <laughs> Let's see. She's Her name is Diana. Diana. She wears a golden tiara. I got it. I figured it out. I know everything about her. I mean, <laughs> I, I, mean, I did watch the movies <laughs> so recently. Um, so... Let's get a little bit of, uh, again, sticking with the comic book term, uh, your secret origin, so to speak, mm -hmm. you know, um, just as brief or as uh, um, however long you want to go for, um, you know, what what is your, you know, who is Christy Genevis? <laughs> That's really tough. You know, what's interesting is not very many people ask me questions like that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I have a hard time answering that. I, I mean, I think I finally just started discovering who I am in these past several years mm. um, and who I am and the origin of, of me and, you know, where I've come from and what that all means and, and how I can use my story um, to be a positive impact. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's taken me a long time to, to realize that. And it's, it's interesting because I think our society makes it that way, you know. Yeah, there, there's a lot of... Um... I, I, you know, it's funny because I'm a little bit in the same boat where um, it, it, I never really thought about it, but until like I have my, my newest therapist, you know, him saying, well, you know, who, who do you want to be? Mm -hmm. And it was just like, I was like, oh, I want to be a good dad. I want to be a good person. He's like, okay, what does that mean? And I was like, fuck you. I don't know. That's what your job is. That's what your job is. Tell me. But, but you know, but it, it, you really, and I think a lot of people, I, I say this like almost every episode, everybody should go to therapy. Mm -hmm. Like seriously, it's mm -hmm. like, you know, and I love that there's less of a stigma with it uh, because you really get to discover things about yourself that you wouldn't normally have thought of, mm -hmm. right? You know, like, you know, our days are so monotonous and there's so much routine to it. Um, and to change it up, you know, especially the way you did this past year, uh, with, you know, wanting to run for uh, for Congress. Mm -hmm. um, did I write about that? Not Congress. Congress. You got it. Congress. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, see, I did my research, too. <laughs> um, but it's it's just like that's something I mean, that's terrifying, you know, putting yourself out there that way. Mm -hmm. um, and not to say that you do, but I feel like, <clears throat> well, I've got skeletons in my closet mm -hmm. that I don't want people to know about. Um what made you want to, you know, was it just sort of a, <clears throat> did you always have like a, I want to get into politics or was it just like sort of, you know, if you want something done right, do it yourself? <laughs> um, I think I've always been interested in politics um, on and off for a decade plus. And, um, you know, life gets in the way. I have two kids, you know, so I was I was very involved, um, I would say around, you know, 2011, 2012, 2013. Had to step back again because of, you know, things, other things going on in my life and my children's life. Mm -hmm. Stepped back in a few years ago. Um, and I think what really kind of led me to it would, you know, there's a lot of things. But I guess what 
really catapulted it is I started a blog, which I have not, I've not gone back to yet, and I want to. And I started writing things that people don't talk about. I started writing about um, surviving an abusive relationship. Mm. I started writing about what it was like to be a teacher in the air when we are, you know, hiding underneath our desks and 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 barricading our doors and, yeah. you know their classroom and their building and, you know, started talking about those tough things. And yeah, I, I mean, I guess whatever skeletons in your closet means we're human. Right. And so I kind of got to a point where is, you know, I haven't done anything that egregious, right. right? <laughs> I haven't done anything that's laying or harming, uh, you know, somebody in a reputable way. And I knew that my story and my mistakes made me who I am. And I think that's what makes us relatable. And that's what I was really hoping that my candidacy would do is show folks that your leaders should look like you. That's what they're supposed to do. Yeah. A representative should represent you. Our representatives, the majority of them are millionaires. The majority right. of us are not millionaires. Right. <laughs> you know, the majority of them are very old. Of uh, The majority of them are white. I mean, that is not America. And the majority of them are men. Right. And, um, you know, just being involved in having long, tough conversations with, some, you know, some political leaders and my family. Um, it just seemed it seemed like the right thing to do. And of course, it was scary. But, you know, you have to take that leap. Yeah. Um, well, if if I may, and I hope I'm not overstepping, uh, a lot of Americans also don't look like you or you're like this gorgeous person. <laughs> so like, you know, who the hell are you to say that people look like you? I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <clears throat> We're all beautiful. <laughs> For those listening, I am also gorgeous. Um, I picked the right week to shave my head too, by the way, because it's been fucking cold as shit. Um, <clears throat> so that's been fun. Um, but anyway, uh, but you know, it, it's interesting, you know, wanting wanting to take that leap and everything because I find like, I mean, the past four years, you know, it's like, we, it's, it's almost like we don't want to talk about it, but I think we should talk about it mm -hmm. because it's like, like you talked about, like surviving an abusive relationship. Wouldn't you say that we kind of survived an abusive relationship over the past four years? Mm -hmm. And it's having that gaslighting, having that, you know, just dictator. It's it, it's scary to me because there what was what was truly scary to me was the number of people that just would cheer and chant. Mm -hmm. And it's like, are you guys fucking stupid? Like. <laughs> You know, it, it's just, it's not even about like, maybe he did a couple of good things. We can give him that, sure. But just the the way he would speak is not how a leader should speak. Mm -hmm. And those are the arguments I would get into with friends, where it's like, I like that he doesn't talk like a politician. I'm like, that's not a good thing. You know, like mm -hmm. if I if I go to, you know, like when I was a kid, uh, and they had like, you remember the D.A.R.E. program? Mm -hmm. Okay, so when the police officer would come in and talk about D.A.R.E., I don't want him coming in just being like, I mean, like drugs are like, you know, it's whatever. I mean, <laughs> if you take them, it's not going to kill you. Mostly, it probably won't. Who knows? Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want him doing that. I want him being like, no, 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 drugs are dangerous and you shouldn't take them. I mean, he was wrong. But no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but it's like, so you don't want the president to just be like, you know, the fake news media and the Democrats are just a bunch of idiots. And it's just like. This is this is the leader of the United States and this is how he's talking. Mm -hmm. It's that's not that's that's not okay. Right. And the fact that people were okay with it scared me. Yeah. You know, and it is like that abusive relationship where you know kind of the idea of and I've had a friend say this to me, well he's not like that when you're not around. It's like, ugh, mm -hmm. no, don't don't ever fucking say that to me again. That's <laughs> yeah. 
that's not okay. Yeah. Um, and in sticking with quote unquote the fake news media, I think what's what's really rough, and I think you'll agree with me here, is that I think there's three things that every American wants, and I've had this conversation with friends. We want education, healthcare, and security. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that we have these two sides telling us that the other side doesn't want you to have those things, and the media spins it in their direction. Mm-hmm. And it's really kind of upsetting looking at it going, but but we just want very simple things. Mm-hmm. Can't you just provide that for us? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I see you going out there and saying, look, I'm I'm just like you. Um, but, and, and things need to change. And that's mm-hmm. what I liked about what you were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only that, but, um, when Mike Kelly won the election, which was just a bummer to begin <laughs> with, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't any, this election was stolen from me and blah, blah, blah. There was just very much like on your end, I think you literally said, okay, what's next? Mm-hmm. So, uh, if you don't mind getting into that a little mm-hmm. bit, like what, what you're up to, post-election. Sure. You know, I made a conscientious effort to not just stop. I knew that regardless of the outcome that I want, my mission is the same, and that's to enact, you know, positive change and to bring to light things that folks need to start having frank conversations about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I st- I'm very involved still in the political party. I'm helping out with the young Democrats, mm-hmm. um, trying to get more young folks involved. Uh, that's 40 and under. Um, that's the demographic that turns out the least. Yeah. Um, and we really need to have a voice because this is our future. You know, when we elect and I when I was running and, and today, I still say this when you're electing folks, the change that you seek is not going to be immediate. Right. So it's our lives that it affects. The president is affecting the young generation more than it's affecting the old generation. And so the young people need to start showing up. So, you know, being very involved in the young Democrats, trying to get more young folks out to vote. So I've been doing that. Um, You know, I've been trying to just grow myself as a person. You know, the one thing I would say I didn't know a lot about is um, being an entrepreneur or a business owner. So I I took a um, like a little business boot camp at Gannon. and I've been exploring opening up my own business. Um, been working on my dissertation for my PhD in leadership. Um, exploring potential runs in the future, and I don't actually know at this exact moment what that may look like. Um, and uh, just you know, continuing to push on social media and into my own friends and family group how incredibly important it is to vote every single election. Yeah. Every year is an election year. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and this one is no exception. Actually, it's it's one of the more important ones. It's, you know, people complain about their taxes. Your school board is who is going to set a lot of that <laughs> precedence. Yeah. Uh, you know, you complain about your roads, you know, your supervisors, your mayors, uh, your county executive, um, you know, so just continuing to keep people engaged. And I get why they're not, because how exhausting was those last four years? Everybody's yeah. tired. Yeah. It's like, do I have to keep doing this? Like, well, now we can take a deep breath, just learn a little bit about, about what's going on and vote. Yeah. <laughs> we can do it now in, in a less, you know, more pressing way. But um, so that's kind of the the quick version of what I've been up to lately. I I loved watching you talk just now because I just saw this big ass smile across your face that just got me excited. I'm like, look how look how passionate she is just about this this stuff that, you know, is you know, maybe somebody could describe it as fairly mundane. You know, it's like, oh, I'm taking a business course, you know, all this stuff that's 
you know, very average Joe stuff, but you're so excited about it. And mm -hmm. I love that, <laughs> you know, because it shows me that you're serious, that you're not just like, you're not just like, ah, I didn't win, no big deal. Like it's like yeah. some sort of popularity contest or you didn't win prom queen or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't win prom king, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It was 15 <laughs> years ago. That's how old I am. But um, but seriously, you know, I, I love seeing how passionate you are. And I could tell, you know, when you would post your stuff on social media, it's like this is someone who knows what they want and uh, and what they want is a good thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you get some pushback from that, too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I it was difficult. I mean, well, a lot of things were difficult, but my candidacy was not a typical candidacy. Um, you know, I didn't have the established support from the national party as much as, you know, I would have liked, especially financially. Um, a lot of my support was genuinely grassroots, um, funded grassroots. Um, you know, but with that said, you know, here in Erie County, I mean, I crushed Erie County. I did fantastic. And I'm OK saying that. <laughs> I'm happy to say that yeah. I won Erie County. Mike Kelly suck it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, one of the highest vote getters, um, you know, I did better than Biden throughout the whole whole district. And and, you know, that's not without saying that it wasn't because I wasn't passionate about it. And I was able to have these conversations with voters and stand in front of them and and be able to have real conversations. Yep. The typical candidate just buys into, you know, and TV and all that, I did that too, but they just do the typical candidate things, you know, lots of mail, lots of TV, you know, you, you wouldn't be able to contact a typical candidate and ask them to come on a podcast. Yeah. A typical candidate is not going to respond to, I, the, throughout my whole candidacy, I, I always made sure I had a voice. You know, my voice was always there and so important. I hope we can start electing more leaders like that because we really, really need to. Yeah. And and somebody who, you know, like I said, in terms of like a, a leader who, uh, you know, will speak a certain way. It's like, but there also isn't, and I don't feel this way with Biden, at least, is that I don't feel like he talks down to anyone. Mm -hmm. I feel like he, when he's talking, he is trying to reach the majority of American people. Right. Um, and I, And I feel that way with you as well, that you're not just going... You know, well, I mean, I won a lot of votes, like <laughs> you know, in this area, but those other votes don't count, kind yeah. of thing. Again, going back to, you know, that toxicity. Um, but for you, I, I feel like you know, you and I can have this genuine conversation, and we've talked a little bit privately. Mm -hmm. You know, where I was just kind of joking around with you. I'm like, so how real is House of Cards? You know, mm -hmm. and you were like, not that real. I'm like, I'm like, oh, I see. It's because of <laughs> Kevin Spacey, right? All the murder. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's just because of that. Everything else real. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, boo, Kevin Spacey. But West Wing uh, is better. I, I've never seen it. Yeah, if you want more realistic, that's it. Right I've there. I've had friends that have tried to recommend it, and I'm sure I'll get to it. Yeah, um, but. Um, but yeah, you know, we 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 need somebody who's you know, and I and I think about uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, mm -hmm. who's just you know constantly on social media, constantly trying to push, and like her agenda. But her agenda isn't to win necessarily mm -hmm. as much as, as it is for the people, mm -hmm. and that's what politicians should be. And I thought about this the other day, and I'm embarrassed that it didn't. You know, uh, <laughs> I didn't think of it sooner, but what you're doing is very Leslie Nopish. <laughs> yeah, you know? I get that all just, the time. That's really funny. <laughs> um, you know, just yeah. just so like passionate and for the people. Mm -hmm. You know, you're you're doing a service, and it's that's what it needs to be. That's what it should be because mm -hmm. 
there's so many out there that are really just in for themselves and you can tell you know you if you really it's not even like you need to like study psychology or anything you can tell people's body language mm-hmm. you can tell when they're just you know there's something not quite right about them i've always kind of prided myself on that mm-hmm. you know i you know i remember like years ago like an ex-girlfriend started dating this guy and i was like i, was like, I don't think i like him you know because we were like, all hanging out with some friends of mine they're like oh you still like him because you still like her or whatever yeah. and i was like no no there's something about the guy i don't like mm-hmm. and sure enough found out that they were in an abusive relationship mm-hmm. and there was a little bit of like and i and i didn't really like brag about it or anything but i just kind of thought like i i kind of pride myself on that like i can pick up on people um you know it's you can and it doesn't take that much effort to just really look at a person and go what are they really saying mm-hmm. um you might have somebody like trump that is he's saying exactly what he's saying and it's all bad um but you might have somebody that maybe is a little bit slimier like a mm-hmm. ted cruz right that you just you just look at it and you're like there's something just not right about this person trusting our gut is very important yeah. we ought to do that yeah. much more we have intuition <laughs> we yeah. should use it yeah and and it's and it's easier when you have somebody that you know is you know kind of like you were starting from the bottom mm. it's like so you know what it's like to be to not have the means you mm. know what it's like to have to to struggle um and if we can get into that a little bit, you know, I mean, you're talking about you're a teacher. And the first thing I hear when you're a teacher is, oh, honey. Because like, <laughs> I remember thinking yeah. when I was a kid that, like, I kind of wanted to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, being a teacher seems so glamorous or whatever. Like, maybe not glamorous. That's not the right word. But, um, but like, but really cool that you could influence all these people. Mm-hmm. And as I got older, it's like, oh, teachers make, like, jack shit for money. And, you know, but here, here you are wanting to be a teacher what you know? Uh, what mm-hmm. what did you teach? Where where were you there? Okay, so yeah, um, I actually do love teaching, but it is incredibly taxing mm-hmm. um, on your emotions and physically and all sorts of different things. But uh, right. so currently, I'm a culinary arts teacher, um, uh, and I also have a focus in nutrition. I teach a sports nutrition course uh, at McDowell Intermediate. But uh, so I've been there for about five years. Prior to that, I was at Wattsburg. Um, I was in the middle school, Wattsburg Middle School and Seneca High School. That's where I graduated from. I was there for eight years. I taught uh, I taught business, computer, tech, and also family consumer science, child development, parenting, um, uh, preschool education, that type of stuff. Um, my original degree is family and consumer sciences education. Um, wow. Wait. So everything. <laughs> it's it's the I call it the important stuff, but maybe I'm biased here. But it's the stuff that you have to know. It's the independent living. It's how to write a check. It's how to balance. It's how to, you know, understand renters, you know, agreements. It's how to, you know, get a car. It's it's the stuff that you, you know, how to raise a, a, a child properly, right? It's the stuff that people think you just, you're going to know, but you don't. Um, yeah. Don't put metal in the microwave. You know, that's like lesson number one. <laughs> Like yeah. my culinary classes, you know, those are the I teach the the stuff that uh, people just assume you you're gonna know, but is so essential, um, and I love it because it's not as you know common as folks know. Like you think you're just gonna know that, like your parents are just gonna sit around and teach you all these things, but we're in a different age now, right? I mean, our parents are both most of the time. If you have two parents in the household, they're working, um, you know, and the kids might have after school activities. The chances are these kids are eating on the fly all the time. Yeah. 
You know, I ask, like, when's the last time you sat down and had a meal? And no judgment because I know what that's like. And some of these kids can't remember. And yeah. and so it's like, all right, well, let's, like, figure out how to do it for yourself, right? right. And it's 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 awesome because something as, you know, essential and simple as food, uh, making your own food, sustaining yourself is really powerful, right? Yeah. And um, so I love doing that. And I also love teaching them where food comes from. And there's also a little government, you know, <laughs> there's a little government and political angle there too, but talking about, you know, the USDA and the, you know, the FDA and and our agriculture and where our food comes from and who's really running the show is, is also, I think, um, incredibly important too. Yeah. Um, on that topic for, for just a second, this is a little funny story. I, when I went, uh, I think the first time, like a couple of years ago, when we could buy beer at like the gas station, which might sound strange to anyone out of, out of Pennsylvania, you know, <laughs> right? They're you know, weird. Like, oh, like, you know, that's a whole other uh, story, you know, about like, like I, I think something about like Pennsylvania still being a commonwealth, yeah. so there's still abolition, not abolition. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, with the banning on alcohol. Uh, I'm not sure what you're saying, but I kind of, I mean. Okay. I- <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I mean, I know what you're saying about the, yeah. the alcohol and uh, we're a commonwealth and we have restrictions yeah. still, um, very archaic restrictions yeah. on alcohol. Yeah. And I think it goes back to like in like in the 20s when mm-hmm. alcohol was banned and everything. Um, and I can't think of that word, um, but doesn't matter. Anyway. Something to do with abolished. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> um, so, you know, I remember going to like uh, the get go and, you know, it always just happened. I pull out like my giant eagle card and they were like, oh, you can't get points for this. And I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. I'm like, why not? It's like, oh, when there's like government restrictions on stuff, you know, you're not allowed to get points. Like beer, cigarettes, milk. And I was like, what? <laughs> milk? milk? Are yeah. you serious? He was like, yeah. I was like, that's weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so that really surprised me, like that there's government restrictions on milk. I mean, there's the government restrictions on the majority of our, of our food, really. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. You know, <laughs> it's it's super interesting and totally another, it could be a whole, you know, other podcast, but you talk mm. about where food comes from and uh, if you eat meat, there's, there you know, um, there used to be dozens and dozens and dozens of slaughterhouses and mm. and now we only have a handful throughout the whole U.S. So oh. when you're eating a burger, I mean, the majority, regardless of what fast food restaurant you get it from, the chances are you're getting that burger from like the same factory. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's so it's a little like, you know, it's it's and those are all regulated and run by government uh, mm. entities and uh, political figures. So interesting. So that. That I didn't know. I think I assumed it, but didn't yeah. know. Um, but it's good that you're you're teaching kind of the the, the real stuff mm-hmm. that people need to know because it's like you know you always see those memes on Facebook that's like say hey how do I do taxes? It's like shut up and square dance, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and and I think about that a lot. It's like yeah, we I didn't I went to Mercyhurst, mm-hmm. um, Mercyhurst Prep. We didn't really have that, you know. I didn't. There's like I think there was a home ec class, but. Actually, no, there wasn't. wasn't yeah, they there. might have got you know a lot of the parochial schools do not yeah. teach any it, home ec. Yeah. Well, their main focus was making sure that we knew that like Jesus loved us, and you know, and that you're going to go to college and make them look good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Which I did not do. And fun fact: Jesus doesn't love me, so <laughs> suck it, Mercyers. Um, just kidding. Um, but um, I'm saying that just in case he's listening. Um, <laughs> But but seriously, you know, it, it's it's stuff like that that I thought about. Like my dad took me to the bank and he's like, "Here's how you open a bank mm-hmm. account." 
And and he's like, here's how you write a check. And so there was stuff that he tried to help me with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like this, you know, we're going to go buy a car, you know, and it, we bought it from like a mechanic friend of his. So we got it notarized and everything. It was that whole transaction, which I was like super unfamiliar with. At the time, I was thinking just like, I'm getting a car. And that's all I could think. <laughs> right. But like he was very... Uh, proactive about a lot of that stuff that he wanted to teach us that stuff and it's awesome um and even when you know he moved to north carolina and i said i'm thinking about moving to north carolina he was like okay well here's what you need to do mm-hmm. he's always been a very pragmatic type of person that way um and that was extremely helpful where he was like okay you're going to need this much money you know you're going to want to uh you know have your friends help you out because you'll save money on movers and stuff like that um and it, but it's also like what I didn't learn was once I was by myself in my new apartment, okay, now what? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like yeah. I, had, I had a job. I had a little bit of money coming in. Um, now what? Mm-hmm. And it's just like now I got to like make friends and live a life, you know? Yeah. Um, Adulting. Yeah. It, yeah. You, you can't really – teach that though i don't know we try (laughs) i try really hard uh um mcdowell does have a class in our our field um fcs it's called adulting 101 and we we actually do really try to go over a lot of what you just talked about like okay now you're gonna leave high school now what you know Mm -hmm. the basics to like okay what's appropriate at an interview what is like how do you make appropriate like what are the appropriate relationships uh in a workplace you know um you know again buying a car okay what's a budget how do you budget you know do people even like people people just use their card and they don't ever look in their bank account (laughs) until they get like you know their decline so we try really hard um and a lot of it, though, is experience, right? You don't really know until you go through it. Yeah, that that was something that I, I thought about a lot. And it took me a long time. It took me, like, at least a year to figure out a budget because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, like, so you have this much money coming in. Here's what the bills are. And, and the bills can fluctuate. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, gas and electricity, of course, is different, like, mm-hmm. during the, every month of the year. Um, so you try really hard to figure out, like, okay, like, what – you know, what money should be put aside, you know, can you put any aside? Mm -hmm. And I, you know, and I read stuff like, you know, what, what helps with that. And something that I, that I've been doing for the past, like, you know, 15 years is I have a note on my phone that says how much is in my bank account. Mm -hmm. So if I go buy something, if it's $12, I'll subtract 15 from Mm -hmm. my phone. So that way, like, smart. Yeah. So at the end of the week, I'll check. So I might have an extra like 10 bucks I'll throw into savings or something like that. Yeah. Um, like little stuff that I learned along the way that I was like, oh, this is actually helping me save money. And once in a while I'm off because like, you know, math is hard. And- <laughs> <laughs> or you forget. Sometimes right. you buy something and you don't, you know. Right. You happens. know, or I'm just, you know, online and I've, you know, had a couple beers and I'm like, yeah, man, I'm going to buy this movie Ransom with Mel Gibson. Oh, God. Classic. Yeah, so. <laughs> I've done that. I've actually what it's shifted for me is um, I'll be home and I haven't done this too recently but i will drink and i'll donate to candidates and sometimes i'll do it twice and then i'll wake up the next day and be like oh my gosh i don't have that much money <laughs> what am i doing like i'll just like read their stuff like yeah they can do it they need money i'll help them and it's not like i, don't, I mean it's not a lot but like you know i'll give them 50 bucks yeah. which is a lot for me yeah. and then i don't realize i did it and then i did it again <laughs> and i'm like I wish I could ask for that hundred back, but that's so embarrassing. So, all right, they better win. Get it. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm saying like I'm buying like 
a Mel Gibson movie who's like an awful person. And you're like, I'm donating to candidates. And I'm like, <laughs> again, you're a regular person. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> um, there, there was something I, I wanted to talk to you about, you know, um, bad segue into something. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I find interesting about you and why I part of the reason I wanted you on here, not just to talk politics, um, which is not my area of expertise, um, but I love learning it from you. Um, I, you know, you're a single mom, mm-hmm. two kids, uh, both girls, right? Two girls, yes. Two girls, okay. I have one, so. She's, <laughs> um, she's already a handful. Um, but so, and then at some point you got um, a cancer diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, what what goes through your head there? I mean, that <laughs> yeah. that to me, and I hope I'm not overstepping here mm-hmm. when I say it's like, uh, it just sounds like a death sentence. It must be when you first hear it. Yeah, no. It, and it didn't feel like that for me. So I actually was diagnosed with cancer a long time ago. It feels like a long time ago. It was 2005. Mm. Mm, 2004 might have been the first diagnosis. 2004. Um, I was a kid, you know, and so it didn't seem real. I know that sounds weird. It's almost like when I look back at that whole experience, it almost is like it was like a dream state. Right. Yeah. And um, and it ended up being so much different than the the average story of what folks go through with cancer. So I I uh, was pregnant with my oldest daughter, Zoe, Mm -hmm. and I. You know, like young folks, you know, they ask you the questions, when did this happen? Just to find your due date. And I was like, I'm not really sure. They're like, let's just get a sonogram just to see how far along you are. And I'm like, okay, great. So I go in to get a sonogram and I remember lying there and the tech is like, wait, I'll be right back. And I was just like, oh, my God, I'm having twins. <laughs> I'm like, I, this is like, and that's what I thought the worst thing. I was like, I don't even, I can't even barely have, you know, having one is already going to be hard enough. Yeah. Twins, like, I was just thinking that had to be what it was. She's like, there's something else in there. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I thought it was like another baby. Yeah. All right, we're going to parent trap this. Like, we'll just keep them apart for 11 years. I was like, camp. whoa, I don't know about this kid, you know. <laughs> um, She was gone for a few minutes, came back. Uh, it was a tumor. It was a large tumor on my ovary. And, um, at that point, I think it was the size of a baseball. Oh, wow. It got much larger and I had some really tough decisions, but the number one thing, you know, at that point in my life was one, you know, surviving, right? But at that point I made the decision to have Zoe. I wanted to, and that was my decision. And... So I just wanted her to be healthy, and I was posed with three scenarios and three options, and they were all not fantastic options, mm-hmm. but I trusted my intuition. You know, it was – I could have an abortion. I could wait to the second trimester and have surgery to remove the cancer. I could go into premature labor, and she would not make it. Mm-hmm. Or I could wait it out. It could spread. It could get worse. It could rupture. Um, or it could not, and she could be – born full term and we'll deal with the cancer after she's born. I was like, wow, these are such great decisions, (laughs) you know, but I trusted my gut and I went with the the latter. I waited and the tumor actually grew to be like a cantaloupe size. It's really awful. But, um, but I also try to look at that experience as, you know, my daughter's, my daughter's conception, my daughter's birth, her whole life is, is a gift because I don't know if I would have found out I had cancer 
without it, right? Right. Why I wouldn't have gone just in to have a sonogram, you know what I mean? And I didn't clearly knew I even had it at that time. Like, you know, I was just living my 19, 20-year-old life not thinking about cancer or any of that stuff. So, um, but it was, you know, incredibly life-changing, of course, you know, having to go through that and having to have that high-risk pregnancy and then having to deal with the cancer after, Mm. um, you know, uh, it was really, you know... but again, it was it was really a blessing. It made me a better person. It made me know things that other folks wouldn't know. I know things about healthcare that, you know, people that don't have, some, you know, a diagnosis like that or have, you know, uh, a certain other similar diagnosis wouldn't understand. And I know what it's like not to have healthcare, yeah. right? And so it it was as tough as it was it's 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 not like i didn't ever feel like it was a death sentence i always just i always just felt like whatever i have to do i'm going to do and then i just remember learning from it and and it, again it wasn't until the last few years of my life now that i realized the lessons that i was really learning at that point it was again survival get through zoe survives we're moving on and then now here i am how many years later like wow that was, a, that was quite an experience. Yeah. Now I can like take a deep breath and like really digest what happened, you know, to me, how I, you know, how I engaged in that process and, and what can we do moving forward to make that better, right? So. that I mean, that's, wow. Um, and maybe I'm just like a wuss where I said it's a, it's a death sentence. No, that's <laughs> okay. It, you're just, you're just like. You're like, no, I'm gonna power right through it. Can't um, think about. It. I just, I just can't imagine thinking like that. Cause then what? If you just know, yeah. if you just say it's a death sentence, then what is there to do? No, right? it, that's that's a really good point too. Because um, it and the the idea of not having health care, mm-hmm. and and here you are, you know, like you said, 1920 in, you know, and and I don't mean this in a in a really negative way, but in in doubly the worst possible position you can be in. Mm-hmm with pregnant mm-hmm. and cancer mm-hmm. and it's like and did you did you have health care at the time so i had health care throughout my pregnancy because i was still a dependent on my mother's okay. insurance but as soon as i gave birth that was gone and that's and what a bunch of fucking bullshit yeah it was terrible it was really really awful that- <laughs> i had it for three days okay <laughs> i'll grant it i remember this very well after i gave birth the insurance company told me I have three days. So for the first three days that my daughter was born and I had insurance. <laughs> that's not thanks. A, that's not okay. Wow, thanks guys. <laughs> so kind of you. You're like, um, how about the next eighteen years, yeah. you fuckers? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh my god, pardon my language, but um that that and that goes back to what I said earlier about Americans wanting three things, right? Mm-hmm. So there's there's the idea of you needing healthcare. This mm-hmm. isn't like a you know, this isn't a privilege. Mm-hmm. This isn't like a well, you know, if you can afford it, you can have it kind right. of thing. Like that's that's for like you know that's for a, a luxury car. That's for you know a PS five. Right. That's, that's for you know, I don't know, like a mansion. Mm-hmm. Like you just you just need to be able to take care of your child, right? And and yourself, obviously, because you know it's like, hello, you have this cancer diagnosis, mm-hmm. so you got to fucking take care of. You can't just be like. Okay, well, it's one or the other. It's like, no, you have to take care of both. What insurance company wants to take care of somebody who has cancer? Exactly. Yeah. There, there's, <laughs> and that's that's the heartbreaking thing. Mm-hmm. And when, and I, I saw it put this way on uh, on Facebook uh, 
no maybe it was Twitter, one of those, uh, where it was like, um, you know, what kind of Stockholm syndrome are we in mm-hmm. that the average low income American is going to argue that, you know, Medicare for all is a bad thing. It, and it's and it's like, wow, that's a really good way to put it, mm-hmm. you know, it, you know, and I and I remember because I listened to I think I think it was your episode with uh, our Idiotville guys, mm-hmm. uh, you know, love those guys. Still think they stole the best podcast election from me. That's another discussion. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's 2021. Uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, where you were talking about that and I just my heart was just breaking listening to your story. And even now, you know, you going a little bit more in depth uh, mm-hmm. here with me. It's, it's just such a heartbreaking story. And, and even you going, it's almost like you're trying to defend it. Like, well, I did have it for three more days. It's like, <laughs> it's like that's, that's no, like, I know it's, 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 you know, it's certainly sarcastic defense for sure. Right, yeah. But yeah, no. And it's a huge issue. I, I'm a huge advocate for every single person to have health care because with, without health, we have nothing. We don't have an economy without health. We don't have anything without our health. Yeah. And it should not be just the privileged have health care. This isn't a, but now it's become a, a socioeconomic issue, right? It's, it's yeah. about your race. It's about your religion. It's about, and it should not be about any of that. Every single person deserves health care. Yeah. And, and it, it, it's one of those things that, you know, and, and let's go back to what I said before, because I just brought it up randomly, but I was like, we'll segue back to it eventually. But, you know, Americans, you know, needing those three things mm-hmm. like at the bare minimum, those three things, I think we can all agree on. Healthcare being a big thing because, you know, um, and something as simple as, like, uh, you know, I've worked at doctor offices where people's copays, even for a primary mm-hmm. care, is like fifty dollars. Oh yeah, I like, mean, I don't go. I, I don't. I and I. That's that was something I talked about on the campaign trail too. Is like, let's like really look at it. Okay, great. I have insurance, but how helpful is it when my insurance makes me pay a hundred dollars if I have to go to the ER when I don't have $100 already. And then on top of that, if they give me a cast for my daughter who broke her arm, and then if I have to get medication, it's going to cost me $50 more. Or now the medication that my daughter needs does not have a generic brand, but my my insurance company won't cover non-generic brands. Mm -hmm. And so, and that's $1,000 a month. Like who can afford, even if you have healthcare, it's unaffordable for most folks. and And the worst part about it is there's a clause in it like so i've had to get authorizations for people to get mris or mm-hmm. ct scans it never fails to boil my blood hearing now just so you know getting authorization isn't a guarantee of payment i'm like then why the fuck are we doing it yeah don't do it then it's like this, this <laughs> is stupid right like, this is the whole reason that your doctor's office you know is pulling their hair out trying to get you approved for an mri just so they can prove that mm-hmm. you have cervical disc disease and you know we're bending over backwards for you to have this just for you to end up paying on the deductible Mm -hmm. because the procedure itself for some reason is five thousand dollars right and it just you know and people are like oh well the deductible is actually really low i'm like why is it there oh yeah why why are we paying all this money for the insurance just to say i mean it wasn't covered you know there's an episode you know going back to leslie nope there's an episode of parks and rec where leslie says like they have such terrible insurance she says she sprained her wrist and the insurance company denied her health, denied her, uh, denied her office visit or whatever, because having a wrist was a pre-existing condition. Right. And oh, I, yeah. Being pregnant is a pre-existing condition, it, <laughs> which of, makes, okay. Of course it is. I mean, <laughs> being you, a woman is a pre-existing condition. Well, I mean, to be fair, you've had those eggs in you. So. <laughs> yeah. I, I've been planning on this for a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And it's just such a, such a strange 
concept mm-hmm. that, you know, and, and people are just like, okay with it. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember kind of, you know, growing up Catholic, growing up really in this bubble, just not understanding that people do struggle with these things. I always thought like, well, if your job sucks, like just get a better job. It's mm-hmm. like, it's just not that easy. Right. And it just, it just isn't. Right. Um, you know, I, you know, and, and even something as simple as like, well, the minimum wage goes up to $15 an hour. It's like, well, if they do that, then everything else is going to go up. And, you know, you have those. Uh, it's already gone up. <laughs> well, you, you have those uh, those uh, dentist quotes from mm-hmm. it's, it's Always Sunny um, where, you know, it's like <laughs> they replaced like what he actually said. He's like, he's like, you stupid bitch. It's been going up this entire time. I'm like, have you all not been paying attention? Minimum wage hasn't changed in 12 years mm-hmm. and everything else is more expensive. And then they're trying and it's like this counter that argument with providing health care is what I tell folks like business small business owners because I I wanted to understand so I took that class and and whatnot you know the one of the biggest expenses is health care for an employee right and so take that away then they wouldn't maybe be so you know apprehensive to pay their employees a livable wage but I think they think well I have to pay insurance all these different types of insurance health care being one of the largest ones um if we provided everyone with health care, would that also not help with the situation of making sure that employer employers could feel like they could comfortably wait, you know, raise the wage? I would think so. Well, especially like if COVID has taught us nothing and it's taught us so much, mm-hmm. it's it's sort of shed a light on all this all this shit that we're we've been talking mm-hmm. about. Um, a big thing is like, don't go to work sick. If you feel sick, don't go to work. I don't like going to work when I, I have like a headache and it's like mm-hmm. it pops some ibuprofen. I'm better in like two hours. Right. But I'm already thinking, you know, just because I, I'm a big ball of anxiety anyway, like, like but what if this is something else, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but, you know, I, you know, if I wake up and I'm just not feeling well, like I feel hot, I, you know, I'm dry heaving in the mm-hmm. bathroom. It's like, well, I, but I gotta go to work. Yeah. You know, because if I, if I call off, like, and I'm not going to get paid today. Right. And that's, we shouldn't have to feel that way. And that's, and that's sad that there, most people live that way. Oh yeah. And it, you know, you know, and, and I think, um, you know, I mean, you, you know, when you were pregnant, it's probably the same way. It's like, you know, you, you like physically maybe can't go to work. Your, your body is changing. Mm-hmm. So you're like, I, I don't know if I'm going to make it into work today. Oh, I worked all the way up until I, even with cancer, I had, you know, I had to. That, and how, how sad is that? That's crazy, know? yeah. That, that breaks yeah. my heart. It just doesn't, and then there's people that are just like, I mean, yeah, you, you gotta, you gotta make a living. You gotta do it. And I'm like, are mm-hmm. you, like, what, what planet are you living on that someone should have to go through that? Which This is a difficult issue because it, COVID has also highlighted, um, what the and you know as a woman this is an issue that I, I I really hone in on but what it's done to women specifically yeah. because women are are the not always but are generally the caretakers um, and again this is not always but it's it's removed I think two million women from the workforce mm-hmm. and but this is an issue that's been mounting for a long time too so this is happening to not just women but single parents. And then, you know, add in the the healthcare issue, add in you can't miss work because you won't get paid that day. Um, but have you, you know, I'm sure you have, you have a daughter, so yeah. childcare costs, like 
exorbitant. And you know that. I love that we're finally addressing that. And I don't know if anyone has seen that Biden is now um, expanding access and and making it more affordable for folks to send kids to childcare or preschool, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's one thing I remember, you know, not being having to make that decision. Is it worth it for me to go to work? Yeah. Or should I stay home with my kid? Because if I take my kid to daycare, it's going to cost me like $200 a week. Yeah. And you're not even barely making that if you're right. making a minimum wage. Like, well, you're literally just working to put your kid to daycare to go home and have nothing. Right. <laughs> and then have to worry about if you have health care and, and all these things. So it's just – it's a, an all-around broken system. But we have the power – we have the power to fix it. And we have the power to fix it fairly quickly. Yeah. It's just – it's electing the right people to do it because we can fix our, our health care system. Um, it will take some time, but we need to start doing it now. Yeah. Um, we can fix our child care system. We can raise the wage and make it so it is sustainable. Because, again, every time I look online, that deadly online place that I don't – don't read the comments. <laughs> it's usually business owners, though, I can't pay my employee that. It'll crush me. I'll go out of business. But again, if you fix all those other things that they don't have to worry about health care, the deductibles, they don't have to worry about paying for their employees to have health care. Yeah. Um, they don't have to worry about sending their kids to, you know, how much it's going to cost for child care. We'd be able to start having, you know, poverty is not going to be so widespread. We'll be able to start solving these issues, but they're all interwoven. Yeah. And so we need to start addressing them all sim- simultaneously and it needs to, you know, happen now. It Absolutely. And, and that's the thing is when you're talking about electing the right leaders – I, what I don't understand, and I think it's just gotten worse over the past few years, I never ever thought of, I was, I've, I've kind of always grown up like, or at least like when I was like, you know, young and sheltered, you know, I thought about like, you know, like I was a little bit more conservative. Mm-hmm. And now as I've gotten older, I'm much more liberal. Um, but at the same time, there were times where I would look at, you know, what George Bush had done, what Ronald Reagan had done. And there were things that I agreed with mm-hmm. that they did because they genuinely felt like they were trying to help people. Mm-hmm. And then it got to a point after Obama, an- another champion for the people. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just I, like, I'm sorry, like if people are, you know, if that's like a trigger for you, but he was mm-hmm. and still is. Um, it you look at somebody like like Trump over the past few years and the people who rallied behind him, it they were not looking out for people. They were looking out for themselves. And well, yeah, because who – you know, but can you blame them? This is how I, – I like to have a little bit of sympathy for Trump supporters in the way that I feel that a lot of folks who blindly supported Trump um, did so because they didn't feel included. Um, those are the folks when I look, especially from like, you know, the rural areas, um, I know that when I grew up in it was called Greenfield um, and I was in the Wattsburg School District, Greenfield Township, you know, government didn't really do any. We felt like government didn't do anything to help us out there. Right. No one was filling our pots like the potholes in our rows ever. Um, no, nobody was you know plowing our streets. Um, what kind of help were we getting? We didn't have Internet. We didn't have cable. We didn't have anything. It was really, you know every man for themselves or very community-based. Like, you help your neighbors. You help your community. But what's the government doing for us? Um, But those folks have been neglected over and over and over again. And I think they saw something in Trump where he basically said, if you don't feel like you belong, you can belong with me. And they're like, yeah. 
even if it's for the wrong thing, they finally felt like they had a place, right? Okay. Doesn't make it okay. Right. But maybe we need to start addressing that. Why were those swaths of people feeling like they were not uh, included? Why are we not including the rural community, you know, more? Why are we not including our farmers and our entrepreneurs and, and making sure that we're really taking care of everyone? Um we should not just be a party for, you know, the most highly populated, densely populated places. Yeah. We we have to include everybody. Yep. Um, and so I'm hoping now that, you know, it's going to take some time for those followers and for some of those people that I think are, there are some, you know, I don't think all of them are bad people. No, no. Right? I, I just think it's just this, you know, being misled and also finally feeling like, you know, that is a place where you can belong. Because you don't belong with, you know, somebody like, oh, you know, Obama or you don't belong with somebody who's, you know, I feel like they just didn't feel like they had a place and they found it with Trump. Hmm. It's a it's a really good point that I had never considered. <laughs> um, but it, and it's it, it's heartbreaking to think that those people did feel excluded. Mm-hmm. And it's it's also not an uncommon story, you know, is it? And it's not just the royal community when you talk about, you know, people of color mm-hmm. and everything that are very much neglected and uh, and walked over, mm-hmm. you know, just just so, you know, the rich white people can stay in power. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and I and I think about that and it's it's stuff that I never considered until like recently, especially you know with the murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. Suddenly, it, it just I start reading all these articles and I'm like, oh my god, like this is a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Th- this is this is something that needs to be addressed. And it just, it breaks my heart when you have people that try to argue with you about mm-hmm. it. You know, it's like, yeah, but like, but you know, I mean, you know, they got to look out for themselves or they got to do this because the politicians are busy with this or whatever mm-hmm. the story might be. And it's just like, no, that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. That's not how it should work at least. And it's so strange that we have this two-party system that I think could very easily work together. You know, I mean, that's that's what a relationship is, isn't mm-hmm. it? It's compromise. Instead, they're too busy just screaming at each other from opposite ends of the, you know, of the podiums um, or the, the Senate hall or whatever. Uh, you know, I know I know the layout of D.C. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's, you know, and, and now like with social media, it, it just can be worse because you just you, you get to you you see people just i don't want to say for who they really are but in a, l- a little bit you know yeah they're hiding behind uh you know keyboard warriors right is what we call them right. and it's so much easier to say something nasty or to just spout off the whatever you're thinking at that moment without thinking of the repercussions because you're not actually having to stand in front of that person to say it right and i think there's there's too much of not being able to debate mm-hmm. and because the problem that I see late a lot of times, especially on social media and even in real life, is that if I can't, if I can't, you know, counter your argument, then the next best thing is to attack your person. Right. Which is just wrong. Right. If you're having a debate with somebody, it shouldn't be about that person. It should be about the topic. Mm-hmm. And and I've seen that with you, you know, that I don't see you, you know. Even if you're like attacking Mike Kelly, you're not attacking Mike Kelly's character. Right. You're attacking what he's done in office, which is 100% fair because 
you were trying to take his job. Well, yeah, and I was trying to, you know, show the folks that, like, look, this guy's been in office for a decade and he's uh, he's renamed two buildings. Like, that's that's what we're getting out of this guy. And he doesn't even know when he came up to debate. He instead of saying uh, 12th Street, he called it 12th Avenue. He doesn't even know Erie. He doesn't serve his whole district. Right. But, yeah, people attack, you know, character instead. And that's been really tough, too. And and coming from. I come, again, from a rural community. That's another thing that I have some apathy for, for the rural community. Is as soon as, like, you know, they, they they talk about their experiences, what's the first thing that people say? Oh, you're a redneck. You're a hillbilly. You're stupid. You're dumb. It's like, no. they just we, We've grown up with different experiences. Yeah. And we really need to start listening to each other to understand uh, the experiences that we're going through so that we can start to, you know, create the legislation that includes everybody. And... The, the And I've, I've said this many times on the show, the term white privilege mm-hmm. for the longest time meant nothing to me. I was like, oh, I, sure. Yeah. I thought I was like, I was like, that's just that's just a way to make white people feel guilty. It's just it's it's kind of a racist thing to say, isn't it? And I would right. just like spout off blah, 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 blah. And it really wasn't until I was watching, of all things, you know. People are going to be surprised when I say this. ESPN. Uh, it's, it, <laughs> Is it's, that surprising? Well, I mean, for me, because I don't, I'm not a sports. Guy. Okay. <laughs> but it was just because I, I was working at a group home, uh-huh. um, and you know that that's what was on TV, and one of the commentators, uh, again, whose name I do not, I do not know, a uh, black guy, was going on and on about privilege, mm-hmm. and it just clicked with me. Mm-hmm. I was like, I get it. Yeah. And it. And it, it made me understand because I didn't have a bunch of angry white people mm-hmm. yelling at me about it, you know, because I was an all lives matter guy for a long time. I was like, I was like, don't all lives matter. This is stupid. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, black lives matter. And it's like I always had angry white people. It's like, listen, my boyfriend's black. You don't understand. Oh, him. gosh. You know, that means something when they have to pull out that. I know a black person. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, oh, it's like, it's like whatever, you know, my my former president was black. I think I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, boy. I watched a I watched a TV show where, you know, you know, the main character's best friend was black. I, mm-hmm. I think I got it, you know, but no. But uh, but seriously, it, it just it, it put everything into perspective for me, because here's somebody that can speak from experience mm-hmm. and isn't talking down to me, isn't yelling about mm-hmm. it, isn't even being is 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 just using it as a teachable moment to say, here's what it really means. And then I just was like, okay, mm-hmm. I get it. And and it's just, and then I, I think about you, you know, running against Mike Kelly on the other side of things. It's probably tough for you because, I mean, your gender is already working against you, mm-hmm. trying to, you know, make a change, make a difference. Because automatically we talk about you differently than we talk about a man. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm like, discredited as immediately yeah. um, for, for some folks or, you know, I have lower qualifications immediately because I am a woman, yeah. um, which is so interesting to me because I think that's another thing I've battled throughout my life is everyone's like, why are you getting your PhD? Why do you have all these different degrees? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? It's like for a long time, I felt like I had to do those things. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that I did them for the right reasons at first. And I did them because I felt like. I had to prove to folks that I am qualified, that I am worthy of, you know, these leadership positions and that I am intelligent and that I can bring something to the table. Whereas you don't, I mean, you, I don't, I think Mike Kelly has, you know, a bachelor's degree. Maybe that's it. He 
his dad gave him a car dealership, but <laughs> damn, he's qualified. Yeah. Like, what, what makes him qualified? What experiences right. does he have that he can really represent us? Um, changing that narrative, but it's it's not going to happen overnight. And it, I don't even know sometimes that it's going to happen maybe in my lifetime, but. Yeah, I I worry about that a lot, you know, like, like with my daughter growing up and everything. And, and her mother is very big on not worrying about gender roles mm-hmm. too much, you know. And, you know, and she kind of jokes with me. She's like, she's like, she's like, I can housewife like the best of them, mm-hmm. but I'm also that that's not who I am. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I know that you're a badass. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can do anything. And we try to make sure that, you know, our daughter knows that, too, that, you know, it, if she wants to do girlier things, fine. Mm-hmm. But if she wants to play sports, fine. You know, um, and and I try to when I'm, you know, when I'm looking at like buying like gifts and stuff uh, like for her birthday or for Christmas or whatever, it's like I don't want to just get like like, oh, look at all the pretty dresses or look at all the Barbies or whatever. It's like because they still have like the the girls toys over here and the boys toys over here. Even at McDonald's, I went there the other day, got her a Happy Meal and it was like you want the girl toy or the boy toy. I'm like. Like, why are there two different toys? Like, <laughs> right. Know? Yeah. I remember my nephew when he was younger. He wanted um, what the hell's her name? Uh, Sophia the first. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wanted Sophia the first wrapping paper and stuff. And and there was a dad at the party that was like, like you know, why is it Sophia the first? And my sister was like, because that's what he wanted. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, like you know. So it's like my daughter has like a little like cook set mm-hmm. that she likes to play with but she also has legos mm-hmm. she also has little batman stuff cuz of course she does it's me. right <laughs> um, but it's like you know i more than anything it's like i want her to grow up in a world feeling like she's included and she's not second guessed because mm-hmm. she's a woman mm-hmm. and and i remember kind of growing up thinking that like growing up in a traditional house you know my mom was a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad, like, you know, did all, you know, did the work. Um, and growing up, feeling like, looking around and going, wait, that's not how everybody's family is? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, like, your mom and dad are separated, and this guy that lives with your mom is just, like, her friend or her boyfriend or whatever? Mm-hmm. And it's and it's breaking down those stereotypes that I think is really important to our our future I feel like I'm rambling. You know? No, I'm, 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 it's good. It's a good ramble. It makes the most sense. And you should care about, well, you caring about your daughter and the future of that and your experiences. I mean, that's what that's what we're trying to change, right? That's what we're trying to make better for folks. And um, and it's tough and it's going to be, it's a gender, you know, the BIPOC community, the rural community, the urban community, you know, it's, it's how can we start to really lay the groundwork um, to change things so that it's fair and that it is equal, that it's actually what we promised, you know, Americans, right? Because yep. um, it's not that. And I think, you know, obviously what's happened uh, with these past trials, what's happening, you know, in the, the police community, I mean, that's always been there. It's oh, just yeah. now we're finally, right, starting to uh, hold these folks accountable, and so just now we're starting to do that. We have a long road ahead of us when it, in terms of all of those things. Yeah. But what we do, you know, moving forward and, and in the immediate future is going to, you know, change how quickly that happens. Yeah. It, and it's and – it's, uh, and I really 
admire you for stepping up and being that and wanting to actively be the change that you want to see. Um, because there were times where, you know, when there was, you know, like school shooting mm-hmm. seemingly every week, you know, back in like 2018, 19, um, when, you know, there's constant like Black Lives Matter protests, uh, and I'm not like knocking them at all. I encourage those, uh, you know, but it, you just look around and go, what can we do? Like, mm-hmm. and, I, and I just remember feeling utterly depressed, feeling like, what, what can I do? Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking that with the Capitol riots this past year, like, I was just, I, I was depressed for like three days thinking mm-hmm. that, you know, just looking at those footage going, what happened here? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what was this? Why did this happen? And, and then I, I, but then the conversation comes back to, what can you do? You know, going back to what I said before, um, what, you know, like, what kind of person do I want to be? Um, and, and the answer is seemingly easy. Like, oh, well, of course I want to be a good person. You know, I want to be a good dad. I want to be a good, you know, co-parent. Mm-hmm. I want to be a good friend. I want to be a good, you know, member of my community. But, you know, what does that really mean? And I love seeing all the work that you're doing. And, you know, and I, and I like, and I feel weird saying this to you, so I apologize if I'm being creepy, but it's like, I love watching you, mm-hmm. you know, and, and seeing like, here she is doing, doing more good work, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, it, it's not like I'm looking through your window or anything, but <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, you're literally posting it. On yeah. Yeah. Media. I put, I'm very transparent. I try to be as normal as possible. Cause I think that we fail to forget that politicians, um, are people too. Yeah. And I think that we need to, you know, kind of hone in on the fact that they're actually real people. Yeah. Right. And I'm trying to just normalize that for folks more, I guess. Well, let me, let me ask you on a, on a lighter topic mm-hmm. here. So if you, so let's say you run again and you win and you make your, your way up here. Do you think that the ultimate compliment would be to be made fun of on Saturday Night Live? <laughs> I don't know. It depends on how they're making fun of you. Because <laughs> I've seen some in summer and just and some are like really like they're saying the mean things and also meaning the mean things. That's true too. So it depends. <laughs> um, well, like for example, you know, we, uh, I mentioned uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, mm-hmm. like when um, – Melissa Villanueva plays her. Mm-hmm. I think it's hilarious. That's funny. I would yeah. love. I I think that would be that would be you know that would be ultimate. I made it. <laughs> I, I can I can see Chloe Feynman. There we go. Being you. Yeah. Um, because she's just first of all she's hilarious and she's a great new addition mm-hmm. to the show. Um, but yeah, but I I can. That see would that. be pretty cool. Yeah. I would you know just to be on any uh, of those talk shows. I think. Um, as a guest or to be, you know, <laughs> made fun of would be really, really cool. And for sure. you are starting at the bottom with the four. Heck yeah, I got <laughs> <laughs> hey, you have a voice here. So, you know, you talk about what you can do. Um, this is something, you know, you give people a voice here, you know, whether it's me or you can you can talk to other folks uh, in the community and give them a voice. You know, if you have concerns about what's going on in the BIPOC community, have them have, you know, some folks in that community come on the show. Have, have somebody in the rural community come on the show talk about yeah. their experience but I mean you have a voice here and Me, people listen so I try to my my main mission statement with the show is to show how comic books and pop culture mm-hmm. it, it it's not just disposable entertainment you know mm-hmm. you're it's it can teach you something and I think you know going back to Wonder Woman Wonder Woman can teach us something about feminism about love about 
you know, like the, the last movie was all about like the truth. Mm-hmm. It, and that those are important things that we need to learn, mm-hmm. you know. And sure, it's fun to see all the big fights and you sure. know, cool stuff. Um, yeah. You know, like, you know, I fast forward to fight sometimes when I'm, you know, just kind of bored when I watch some of those. Mm-hmm. But there's also something to be said about a character that I want my daughter to look up to. Mm-hmm. And it's like, do I want her to look up to me? Absolutely, of course. Mm-hmm. But I think having pop culture and fiction have have that kind of mirror effect where mm-hmm. it's like, you can watch it and go, oh, that was really cool. And then realize, oh, I, I learned something as well. Right. That's, that's, I think that's very, very important. It is. I think it is. And, and you know, it, I'm not um, as immersed in comic books anymore, um, to be fair. And I know you're a DC person, as it seems, but yep. I, <laughs> I was really into X-Men growing up because ah, okay. um, I love the idea of that, like, you know, really kind of anybody just depending on circumstance um and some other things you really could have superpowers too um but yeah no i think it really that topic really can bring people together and there are villains right and then there are are the the heroes and the hero you know the people that do the good things um so yeah i I mean i think it's pretty cool so i'm you know i'm happy to be a part of it well i I'm so excited you were here today um, and being very open, very candid, um, you know, because I, you know, like I explained to you before, I didn't want just to do, it's like, oh, it's Wonder Woman's 80th anniversary. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, I'll get some people on. We'll talk about our favorite comics, mm-hmm. the, the movies and everything. It's like, well, that's all well and good. I've done that before. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to do that with other stuff. But it's also like, you know what? I know some really amazing women that have actually gone through some shit mm-hmm. and come out stronger on the other end you know not unlike Wonder Woman mm-hmm. not unlike these characters that I am constantly going on and on and on about mm-hmm. um, so why not give them why not you know like you said give them a voice give them a platform to say like hey here's you know kind of the if if I could do it you could do it too um, and, and not just as like a pandering thing but I see you as somebody who, you know, you say that, like, if I could do it, you could do it, too. And you don't just say that as, like, a eh, pat on the head and walk away. No, I want to help people do it, too. Yeah. You put your arm around them and yeah. say, yeah. I'm, I can be with you on your journey. Mm-hmm. And that's great. Yeah. So, Christy Ganemus, real-life Wonder Woman. <laughs> thank you. you know, thank you so much for joining me today. All right. Um, well, you know, maybe we'll get you back. We'll talk some X-Men sometime. I'll have to, yeah, that would be, <laughs> I mean, if you're if you're allowed, I'm not sure if that's allowed on this show. Well, it's, it's allowed. <laughs> I, I do, we do some Marvel every now and then. All right, then. okay. So, cool. One time we even did an episode on The Boys. So. Wow. <laughs> I know. We're branching out here. You really are. Cool. <laughs> Love to do it. All right. Well, uh, well, you know, best of luck to you. You know, we'll be, uh, we'll be following you. Um, and if people want to want to find you out there uh, in the in the social media world, where can they find you? Everywhere. <laughs> um, no, uh, I'm not on TikTok, but um, I, I hear I'm supposed to. But no, just if you uh, type in my name, it's very unique. I'm the only Christy Ganebus, um, really, in the world. So if you type me in on any of the social media platforms, give me a follow and uh, reach out to me if you'd like. Yeah, uh, real uh, real easy to talk to, mm-hmm. uh, friendly, funny, smart. Um, What more could America want? (laughs) There we go. Thanks again, Christy. Thank you.